And welcome back, Fourth and Long Fans. It's your footy correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess, here back with another episode of my Aussie Fan Supporter Series. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have Miss Kat Oxley. Kat, all the way from Melbourne. Kat, how are you doing? I'm going really, really well. How are you going today? I am not doing too bad. I have the pleasure of talking with you, get to talk some footy and eventually your club, which the people watching YouTube probably already figured out what club you are, but we'll get to that just a little bit. But when, when I start my episodes, I like kind of knowing just a little bit about the person that I'm talking with outside of the game of footy. So if you want just a real quick bio of who Kat is. Oh, okay. Well, my name's Katrina. I am um... Born and bred Melbourne. I'm actually a school teacher, high school teacher. Um, I've um, interested in photography. I've done a bit of acting. I've done all sorts of different things. I actually teach high school media, um, and I'm doing my masters at the moment as well in digital learning. Um, yeah, so I've lived in different places around Victoria, but back in my hometown of Melbourne now. So it's, it's I'm really enjoying it. Home is where the heart is for sure. And, and being in Melbourne, the heart of footy, I got to ask, what is your favorite thing about the sport of football? Um, I think it's a sense of community that it has, um, particularly here in Melbourne. Um, people talk about Melbourne being, you know, I guess the sports capital of Australia, really. Um, and it's no exaggeration when people say that Football in particular is really like a religion here in the city. Um, it's, yeah, you, it's very difficult to go through a day, even in the off season, without having a conversation with someone about footy. It really is like that. I've been, you know, when you go to other places around Australia, it's not like that. It's really like that here in Melbourne though. Um, but it's definitely that sense of community, I think. Um, it's, and I think the sport itself, the game itself is quite an exciting game to watch. It's high I, energy. Yeah, it's, it's constantly on the go. It's not, yeah, it's just really an enjoy. It's a fantastic spectator sport. And it's, you know, I read somewhere that it's the fourth highest domestic uh, attendance in the, of any sporting league in the world, I think. Um, and I would believe that because, you know, some of the higher memberships that you'll get in club membership, you'll get, you'll see in AFL clubs. It really is, does permeate in our lifestyle here. Yeah, I completely agree. One, one of my favorite things about the sport is just the, the passionate fans. And, and the last couple of years have been difficult not having all the fans in the stands. I'm hoping everything is on the up and up for sure. So I'm going I'm to take you back a little bit. Can you remember your earliest footballing memory? Um, I don't remember the very first game I went to because I was so little when we first started going to the football. Um, I remember deciding, you know, as a kid, am I going to follow mum's team, which was Hawthorne, or dad's team, which was Melbourne? Because um, mum's team, mum's family, all of them are pretty much Hawthorne supporters. The main games that we went to um, were the Melbourne and Hawthorne games. I do remember going to, sitting in the grandstands of the MCG as a little kid with my siblings and with my cousins and with my mum and dad and my uncle Alan and Annie Pam, at the, specifically at the Melbourne Hawthorne games. They're probably my earliest memories of going to the football is definitely the MCG and definitely um, with family with Melbourne and Hawthorne. Not a bad thing. You, you kind of previewed a little bit my, for my next question, but we'll, we'll still go with it. So for those that are watching the YouTube, they've already seen who is your club and then kind of why do you support them? 
Um, my team is Melbourne. Um, I football is it's it's, it's football follows. Um, following a footy team here in Melbourne, it's very much an ancestral thing. You do generally follow the team that your parents follow. Uh, in my family, my dad was Melbourne, as I was saying before, my mum was Hawthorne. Um, so of myself, my two other siblings are out of the three kids, my brother and I both followed dad and my sister uh, followed Hawthorne uh, with my mum. And I think the main reason why I chose Melbourne um, we were given the choice as kids as we wanted to follow i think the main reason there's a couple of reasons why i think i followed chose melbourne is one was i could sense that dad was much more interested in football than mum was mm-hmm. um so i figured if i you know had wanted to have opportunities to go to the game i might as well go with you know with dad's team um i also really looked after looked up to my big brother and um, you know he was kind of you know he was sort of my you know childhood protector sort of thing being my brother so I wanted to follow him along as well um Julia my sister like mum wasn't really into football that that much at all um it's still not really um but she still you know has a heart to Hawthorne but um yeah it was just really because I was always daddy's little girl too I suppose was probably the the third reason that um I do remember swaying a little bit did I want to go from Hawthorne? Did I want to go from Melbourne in my early primary school days? But hard always went back to Hawthorne, to Melbourne, I think. <laughs> not, not a problem. Not a problem there. And, and, and I, I kind of always wonder this, and I love the family stories because those are always great. But was there any, do you think there was any way that anybody in the family wanted to go for a different team besides Hawthorne or Melbourne? It was always kind of, we'll, we'll go with what our parents follow. Oh, no. No, I was actually having this conversation um yesterday at work with a colleague um that is just something that you just do not do in aussie rules you do not change your allegiance um you know that's seen as a sacrilegious thing you do you just do not do that so there was never any question although there have been times my 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 paternal grandfather actually grew up in bendigo which is a town probably a couple of hours north of melbourne but he grew up in Essendon supporter but because he married my grandmother, who was born above a shop, the family shop in Hawthorne. They grew up that they, you know, she lived in now. My mum grew up in Campbell. They are so emphatically Hawthorne that my grandfather pretty much had no choice but to change from um, <laughs> Essendon to Hawthorne, really. <laughs> but that's probably and my and my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, she spent, you know, well, she's from New Zealand. So when she first came to Australia. She was coerced by her school friends to go for Collingwood. So when, but when she first started dating Andrew, he's, he said, well, you know, if you want to get this to go any further, you have to change teams and go from <laughs> I did. love it. Yeah, that's what she did. <laughs> so, is... um, so yeah, pretty much my brother's entire family, kids and everything were all Melbourne. <laughs> that is fantastic. The, the, I love those stories. It's like, nope, we're not dating anymore unless, unless you're at least my, on my team. That is, that is awesome. <laughs> I love that. So we'll, we'll stay in the past just a little, just a little bit longer. Can you remember, and I know this won't be easy. Can you remember the first club item, the first demons item that you ever got or were given um, as a child or, or maybe even older if, if necessary? I'm actually wearing it. Um, when I was about 10, um, I saved up for ages and ages and ages. Um, my sister was given her, her Hawthorne scarf. For her birthday that year and I saved up for ages 
um, from a pocket money and things like that to buy my own Melbourne scarf. And I remember, I remember the day when I was about 10, this is 1981, going to the sports shop at Vermont South and um, handing over my $12 for this. So this is it. Uh, <laughs> and I've kept it. Um, so this is definitely, and it's, you can tell it's old because it's still got the old VFL logo on it. Mm -hmm. And it's also royal blue because Melbourne, when colour television first started in Australia in the early 70s, um, some of the teams actually changed their colours because I thought it would look better on colour. So Melbourne actually went from navy blue to royal blue um, in the early 70s, but reverted back to the navy blue in 87. So this was from the early 80s when they were during that royal blue period. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. Absolutely love that. And would enjoy that since, since you bought that at such a young age. Can you, can you describe your, your fandom? And for me, this is how big a supporter are you? I mean, do you wake up at all hours? Then do you watch the games every single game? You never leave. You always go to the games. Or are you kind of one of those? I, I go when I go. If I if I miss a game, it's okay. I've been a member consecutively. I mean, my father first um, bought a family membership for myself and my brother and for him um, in the late seventies. In about nineteen seventy nine. It was years, a few years ago, Melbourne actually printed on the, the year, the first, the year that you were first a member. And mine said on at 1979. So I figured I would have been about eight years old. And, uh, and I asked that about that. said, oh, yeah, there would have been a year I bought a family membership for us. But I've been a member consecutively now since I was 14. Um, <clears throat> so I've, you know, it actually says on it next, I've, I've, I've renewed my membership already for next year. Um, yes, I do go to all the games. I'm a Redlegs member, which is a premium membership in there. So we get our own bay at the MCG uh, and we get our own room as well. So you can have like a counter type meal and a you know, glass of wine or a beer or whatever with it. So you can have like a plate of pasta or something like that. And it's got a big room at the MCG as well. So you can actually sit it in the warmth if you wanted to or go out and sit in the bay amongst the spectators, uh, which is generally behind the goals. We've been in Redlegs since the late eighties. Um, so, yeah, so it's got that premium membership. I'm also an AFLW member. I was a foundation member of the women's team. Absolutely passionate. I'm so proud of my club that they're a foundation, not only of the game itself, because Melbourne were the ones who, of course, uh, drew up the initial rules of the game, but also with Bulldogs being the foundation of the women's team, I'm really proud of my club for, being, for doing that. So my name's on the website as well as being one of the 500 foundation members. Um, I've been in cheer squad. I still am in cheer squad and my nephews are in cheer squad as well. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So you could say I am, I've got, I do go to all the games. Even when I was living in the country, I still maintained my Red Legs membership as well. So, yeah. It, so it probably broke my heart this year that we couldn't go to the finals, but um, because it was in Perth because of the lockdown here, but um yeah, um, that was the last couple of years not being able to go to the games and watching them on TV were particularly hard, really. But I'm I, glad that next year we'll be able to get back to normal a bit now that we've got I, the vaccination rates. I sure, I sure hope so. I mean, it, it was it was one of the things, and we, we can discuss it a little bit more. But mm -hmm. I I was one of those that, that with Melbourne breaking the streak, I was a little it was bittersweet for 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 members like you who who've been around for so long, have had so yes. much heartbreak over the years. 
and for the cha- for the one time you win a premiership and it's not in it's not in victoria that was definitely one of those you'd, yeah you felt you felt for those members um so we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a, sure. in just a little bit so i i know this won't be easy can you remember the first game that you the first game you remember attending of the demons oh well, not specifically. I mean, I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't really pinpoint the very first time. I was thinking about this, you know, because, I mean, you know, people have been talking about the first time they've been to the MCG or first time they went to a footy game. And I actually can't specifically pinpoint, because it was such an ingrained part of our lives as children, I can't specifically remember the first time. But I do remember, um, you know, wearing my footy scarves to school, um, you know, in the times that Melbourne would win or whatever, uh, or even just generally. Um, I do remember I do remember my first grand final that I went to, which was the 88 grand final when Melbourne lost by 96 points. But <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just generally remember it being a, a major part of my childhood and my growing up. Yeah, and, and that's... that's and, um, and- but I do remember going to the suburban games. I used to love, enjoy going to the suburban grounds. That was one thing I was always really jealous of because Melbourne's home ground was always the MCG, which is not exactly the suburban ground. It's always had the mm-hmm. capacity of over 100,000 people when I was a kid even. And, um, <clears throat> but, you know, when we go to say, my, I mean, my best friend at school was a Bulldog supporter. So I used to, I remember going out to, when I was about 15 or 16, going out to Western Oval I had to see Melbourne and uh, Footscray play, as I recall Footscray in those days. Um, and that sense of community. I was actually, I remember going to those suburban games and feeling that pang of jealousy that Melbourne didn't have that same kind of suburban ground feel because um, they were a lot of fun. You know, I remember going out to Arden Street when I was a little kid to see Melbourne play North Melbourne. I remember going up to uh, Windy Hill when we, we would play Essendon and they were pretty wild times out there. Some of those supporters out there were quite wild um i remember in the um 90s going to victoria park and yeah that was the one time that was only one time i've ever went to victoria park and i vowed never to go back there again because that's truly terrifying experience (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but that that, those kind of memories you don't see that because we don't really have the suburban grounds anymore and that's really the lovely thing about women's footy i think is that those women those suburban grounds are being used again yeah, I completely agree with that. I, 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 one of the things I have loved about the AFLW is seeing those games at, at Arden Street, seeing them at, at Victoria Park and in some of the smaller grounds, even Casey when it comes to it with, with, with Melbourne a little bit. So, so Casey, we'll keep, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll keep it up on this. I, this is never an easy question for some because um, it's like choosing your favorite child. I've stated this. Can you, can you think of your favorite player of the past? And do you have a favorite player currently on the demons list? Um, I grew up in the Robbie Flower era. Um, Robbie Flower was um, a bit of a Melbourne legend. I don't know if you've heard of him before. Um, he was played for Melbourne from the early seventies, and he retired um, in his mid thirties in about in uh, after the nineteen eighty seven final series. Um, but he was a very very slightly built very wiry guy, not a particularly tall. I think it was only about five foot nine. 
Um, <clears throat> but he was one of the most sensational wing players I, I remember seeing in my lifetime. So growing up, it was definitely Robbie Flower. And I have a distinct memory. He used to run a sports store at Forest Hill, which is not that far away from where he grew up in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And his actually family home was in Vermont South as well, which is where I lived. Um, and my dad, oh, my brother gave me one of his old Melbourne jumpers, one of the old woolen ones. And um, so dad, one summer, took me, I was about 10, uh, took me over to the Forest Hill shops because um, I didn't know it was Robbie Flowers sports shop and uh, to put the number on the back of the jumper and well, I remember going into the, the going into the shop with dad and um, um, and there was Robbie Flower behind the counter and I was that gobsmacked I couldn't speak and he would ask me what we what we were after and I handed him my jumper and I couldn't ask him I could put a jumper on the back so dad asked more for me and, and I remember Robbie Flair asking, what number would you like? And I was that embarrassed because I wanted number two, which was his number. <laughs> and I was too embarrassed to say that. And so dad, and that dad's the sense, I was in there going, <laughs> and dad's dead number two, please. <laughs> and so he took the jumper and he put the, and he ironed on the number two and everything. And it came off the slate and he autographed the number two slate for me. And I was just so spellbound that I, I was, couldn't believe it that just happened. Um, so definitely Robbie Flower was one of my play. I, I think Jim Steins is also up there as well, which is a bit after him. I think his story was just remarkable and what he was doing in the community afterwards is, you, you know, it's a story that you couldn't really make up. <laughs> um, current player. Oh, this is a tough one. Who many to choose from, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're just on a premiership. And, and the other thing is that with Melbourne at the moment, I, I remember tell, Dad telling me as a kid, a champion team would always beat a team of champions. And what he meant by that, and it, I never really understood what he meant by that, but it, it occurred to me in the last couple of years exactly what he meant by that. And that, you know, no one in Melbourne really acts like a big star, but they work cohesively together. And now they've shaped themselves up to be a champion team. Um, so it's really hard to really pinpoint. Ooh. Look, I don't think I can really go past Max Gorn, <laughs> to be honest. Um, what he's done is with his leadership there and, what in, and his story since he was drafted through to today and the adversity came through as well to, you know, you know, any other club probably would have given up on a, on a young player who wasn't putting in 110 percent of us but i suppose philadelphia 76 ers are feeling this at the moment with ben simmons another you know prodigal sort of talent uh, that was max gone when he was younger you know he wasn't really putting in the effort he wasn't really but he had an absolute you know huge talent but the club stuck by him and you know so you know hopefully philadelphia will stick by the ben simmons because i think that he could wind up having a similar kind of story <laughs> We'll have to see. I, I, I know that there's there's several people over here that have, have said if, if Philadelphia can find a way to get something decent for him, that it, he, he is, it, it might not be what we'll see. But this is a footy podcast, not a basketball yeah. podcast, yeah. Which, which is, not, which is not fine. Not, not a problem at all. But um, I'm, I'm going to ask this question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Most memorable moment as a supporter. Yeah. 
well the prime the grand final <laughs> um melbourne yeah definitely that one although it would have been fantastic to have been there um moments at the mcg there will be quite a few i still remember i have fantastic memories of uh would have been about 1993 or 1994 the day that alan jakovic kicked 11 goals against north melbourne that was definitely a memorable moment um the day that i think it was in 2008 uh i think it was about round 11 i think it was against Fremantle when melbourne came from about nearly 60 points down at half time and had this sensational comeback in the second half and won by two goals uh dad and i were screaming ourselves hoarse but i think from a personal level one of my favorite memories would have been the last time I took my dad to the football field before he passed away, which was around 23 and 2018. Um, that, that, that memory holds a very special place in my heart too. Yeah, and those are always the good ones. Those are the ones that you'll never forget in, in having, having a family member. To that. Yeah. So those, those will never be erased. So, so I kind of, I kind of previewed that one a little bit though. So I, I you know next question is thoughts on last season. Well, it's hard to argue that Melbourne didn't have the best season you could possibly have. They won the flag. So how happy are you as a demon supporter with last year, your D's ending their drought and winning a premiership? Yeah, well, um, really good i mean it's a dream come true i mean for 50 years i'm 50 years old for 50 years i've ended a footy season with oh well next year and it does still feel surreal I, I think the hardest thing is because we haven't had we've only just come out of lockdown in, in the last day mm-hmm. here in melbourne and we still haven't had a chance really to celebrate it and it sounds really odd that to say that because it's been nearly a month ago that it happened um, in fact it's a month go today i think it's four weeks ago today it happened and we haven't had that chance to celebrate it we were we were in lockdown we even had a curfew we couldn't even leave the house i um i did go to my brother's house to watch it because i live on my own i didn't want to watch the grand final on my own um uh, we went through the final season having zoom meets with members of the cheer squad so we could actually still have um that connection with each other but it was bittersweet as you were saying before and it in some ways it doesn't it still doesn't feel real and it it occurred to me the other day the main reason why it doesn't feel real is because we haven't had that chance to really celebrate it yet um so yeah while i was absolutely thrilled and tickled pink it was still devastating that we couldn't go Mm -hmm. and you know i think for that two-week period between the prelim and the grand final there wasn't a day where I didn't burst into tears at some stage because I was so desperately sad that I couldn't go because that was the dream. It is to actually see Melbourne. I'm getting teary now thinking um, that we couldn't do it. So um, I think that that, and the players are fully aware of this too. It's one thing that really struck me is that the players are absolutely fully conscious of the effect that this, has had on the supporters and you know leading up to the finals as well and about the whole year every time you see a player interviewed they always mention the members they always mention the supporters and they're driven now you know it's one thing to win the grand final but to do it on their home turf at the mcg in front of their own supporters i think that's their next goal because that's one that was the missing link this year I completely agree. And I, I think next year they are definitely, if they keep this list healthy, 
they're definitely a challenge for next season because they, they just they had magic in a bottle this year there, there's no absolutely no doubt in my mind on that um, so we jumped through it we, we've been through a little bit of the offseason not all of it we've been to the free agency period we've been to the trade period have you been keeping an eye on on it at all and then if so i mean how what do you think of melbourne's offseason do you think they've done pretty well kind of what are your thoughts on their offseason well, Melbourne were pretty quiet. I was expecting Melbourne to be pretty quiet during the trade season. Um, there was not really, I mean, the last couple of years, we've, we've, they've been very, very clever. I've got a full credit to Jason Taylor, who's the main, you know, the, the list manager at Melbourne. Because the last couple of years, as far as um, the draft, as far as trading, he's been sensational. And even the magical things of being able to trade to get higher up in the draft order in the last few years, like even this year, we managed to do it too. We managed to get a first round draft pick, which was just, whoa, because <laughs> that was traded a couple of years ago, or last year even to get Ben Brown. And um, so I thought, oh, man, I've got to get our first draft pick until about pick 35. And all of a sudden, we've got pick 17. <laughs> so um, that in itself, um, you know, full credit for him for, to be able to do that. Um, the draft is coming up in December. It'll be interesting to see whether there's a couple of um, father-son prospects that, you know, Melbourne will be interested in with um, Taj Wawoden, who's the um, son of Shane Wawoden, who was in the um, side in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and in fact, won the Brownlow medal in the year 2000, which was uh, the, year, the last year before this year that Melbourne made the grand final. And there's also um, Wizard's son, Kobe um, Farmer, could be prospect. I don't know how. I, I think most people seem to be talking about Taj Wawoden um, ahead of Farmer, but it would be really. I imagine the forward line having both Farmer and um, Cosm Pickett together. Together, that'd be, that'd be, be a scary <laughs> thought process. This is there yeah. definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's got the option also of Fremantle too, because because um, 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 Jeff Farmer also played over 100 games at Freo as well. Um, so, and there's, and, and the, other, the other person that I, I think that Melbourne probably be looking at too would be Mac Andrew, who was their academy uh, kid from out in the Dandenong area. Um, but they've changed the rules so that um, particularly for um, Indigenous and multicultural New, new, uh, new, um, yeah, the new, um, the academy era uh, kids. Um, you can't bid on them, and if they're coming to fall in for in the first twenty places in the draft, so which means there's a very, very real chance that Melbourne will miss out on him. Which is, oh, it's a crazy rule because what's, where's the incentive for clubs to put in the investment and training and development of these kids, which they had with Mac Andrews since the age of thirteen or fourteen. If they can't even draft them, it just seems stupid. But um, yeah, someone else, another looks like another AFL club will get getting the benefits of that. That Melbourne all the, put all the hard work in, which just seems stupid. But hopefully, it's still available at pick seventeen. But I don't think it will be, sadly. I'll have to see. Some they, they make some of the rule changes. They just they make for some of the most interesting situations. It's very very fascinating. Yeah. The, the NG the NGA the New Generation Academy is one of those i just really wish they would make up their mind yeah. what they want to do with it like it's it's very frustrating to kind of not really know how that's going to go so so we'll go from that is um 
I'm not one like it's I'm like, one of those. I Lamont, hate seeing. Yeah, I, I for me, I hate saying expectations. Like I, I think it, it puts like a certain thing to it. So I don't want to say expectations, but what are are you? What are your kind of thinkings of how your team's going to do next year? Do you think you're another flying contender? Are you kind of? Are you just kind of? I'll, I'll see game by game. Um, yeah. it's funny you ask the Melbourne supporter that because we're so used to, you know, getting our hopes up and then being let down again has happened year after year after year. So it's finally got a premiership. Um, expectations. I'd love to see back to back. Um, I wouldn't be confident being a Melbourne supporter. I'm not confident enough to say that it's going to happen, but it would be lovely to see that happen. Um, um, yeah, I, I think that'll feature well next year. Um, uh, you know, it'd be an absolute bonus if we can get back to back, but who knows? Who knows? I'll say this. The eight's going to be fun to make next year because there are a lot of really, really good footy teams next year. The scary part is Richmond may be back healthy. You guys are going to be tough. I think Port's going to be just as good. I think Frio's a team to keep an eye on. Who knows how Sydney's going to do? JWS, Geelong. There's, I, there's 12 teams right now I can sit here I, I can pencil in Geelong, that can make the finals. I think Geelong might have, um, I think the time of their era might be coming because they are very much an aging list and they've traded a lot away they've traded away a lot of their young kids and didn't give much of their young kids a go this year but i don't know what's going on there but i don't i'm wondering whether or not geelong have um sort of blown that window a little bit they had a very successful period from about 2009 through to this year and i'm just wondering whether or not the end of that era is ended. I think Richmond, you're right. I think they'll they'll come back next year because I think the, the main factor why they didn't feature this well so well this year is because last year it was such a late end of the season. They didn't really have much of a preseason at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that really would did hurt them. Um Frio, I'd love it to see Frio. The two teams that I would love to see win premierships in the next few years, and that would be St Kilda and Frio. I think their times definitely. I'd love for St Kilda in particular to experience what Melbourne supporters have gone through because they went through a similar sort of length drought. Um, and, you know, and, and, and Frio, I've got so much respect for Frio and their supporters. They, they, they put up with so much crap in the West. They really do from the media, from West Coast Eagles supporters. They really do. I really, and I've got some good friends who are Frio supporters and I'd love for them to be, to experience, I gave my um, uh, myself and two other friends as well who are in Ruby Demons, which is the support group for LGBTI supporters. Um, and in fact, I'm meeting with them tomorrow for lunch. Um, we three of us gave the gave our barcodes to a friend of mine in Perth, who's a Frio supporter, and she represented us at the grand final. And I was so thrilled for her because she got to experience a grand final. Um, and but she printed up a big poster-sized photo of the three of us wearing our Ruby Demons t-shirts from one of the women's games earlier in the year from the summer and um, paraded around Perth and, you know, represented us. It's like, we, you know, she had it wound up with an empty seat next to her, so she propped the poster up on the seat next to her so Love we could it. watch the game from the seat. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So we had a presence at so I'd love it for her to be able to experience what we experienced this year. So 
she was cheering for Melbourne, of course, because I sent out a couple of old um, members' cards to her so she could wear the red and blue. My kind of thought was, well, red and blue, mix it together, you get purple. So you know, <laughs> I love it. Because that works that works so much all right so so towards the end towards the end i have i have a few fun questions uh, uh i like to ask um I'm, I'm gonna do some really i'm gonna do something really fun is especially sure. over here in the states we love general managing we love saying what we would do how we would trade so I'm, we're gonna do something really fun i'm gonna install you as melbourne's list manager as we speak right now the other 17 clubs every player mm -hmm. is available who is the first person you bring on to Melbourne's list from one of the other 17 clubs in the competition Ooh. and why? Oh, good question. Uh, what does Melbourne need at the moment? You can make an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> I don't, I mean that uh, maybe another small forward could be good. Um, yeah, maybe 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 Cody Waitman just as an extra f a small forward. That'd be a nice one. That'd be a very nice one. Yeah. I, I I think that would be a good one. Is, yeah, our midfield is chockers. Our defence is chockers. I wouldn't want to give up any of those blokes. Uh, um. Well, if you wanted another goal snake, if you wanted another goal snake, speaking speak, speaking personally, I think Tommy Papley would fit in well at Melbourne. True, yeah, he could too. Because uh, we've got a we've got a couple of really good forwards there now. Being mm -hmm. um, with, you know, with um, we've got Wiedemann, we've got Brown, we've got um, Tom McDonald. Um, and those seem to be working really, really well together. And I was a little bit worried about our forward line halfway through this season. Whether you know, particularly after the Essendon game when we scraped three, really, uh, I, I remember thinking at the time, unless we get our forward line sorted, we're not going to win a premiership. Or did they get it sorted? <laughs> I mean, we've got people like Bailey Fritch, who has just been a surprise packet. I was not mm -hmm. expecting Frida to wind up being as dominant. I mean, he's 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 not a big bloke. He's he's you know small. He's wiry, yet he can take these sensational marks. Uh, which, you know, defies the size of him, really. Um, he, he's tougher than he looks. <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to my next question. I'm pretty oh. sure I know that. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, just, just <laughs> for fun. The grand final has seen the last two years outside of Victorian soil. And I know for some people, this has caused some discussion. This has caused some people to go, well, maybe, well, maybe as a Melburnian for you, is it tradition that it must be at the MCG or is there even a little part of you that wouldn't mind occasionally seeing the grand final travel outside of Victoria? Um, to be honest, I would, I'm of the opinion that it would be good to see it occasionally out of Melbourne. However, um, one thing that has been shown is that in the last couple of years at the Gabba and at the, at Perth Stadium is that it's an absolute struggle holding it in a stadium smaller than the MCG. Because even at the MCG, it's a real struggle to be able to get everyone in who wanted to go. And I, I think Perth people realise that this year, that Optus Stadium is, you know, it's just, you know, it's, a, it's, it's only a 60,000 seat stadium. 
and um, and even with Melbourne and Bulldogs members getting in, I mean, that was the first grand final I remember seeing in a, in a long time where general admission seats were ever made available at a grand final. And if, if we had been able to, if borders were open between states, there's absolutely no doubt it would have been flocked. It would have been a far worse situation already. We had a lot of Perth people complaining that they couldn't get tickets to the grand final. Well, welcome to Melbourne. That happens every year in Melbourne, even with a 100,000 seat stadium in the city of nearly, you know, just under 5 million people. We cannot get in, so into the MCG, even if we wanted to. If you are, there's three different levels of memberships. I'm priority one with my membership, which means that, you know, if Melbourne are participating, I'm guaranteed access to be able to buy a grand final ticket. Then there's priority two and priority three. Priority two is what the majority of members would be. And then priority three are things like the armchair members or, um, you know, interstate members and things like that. They've got virtually no chance of being able to get access through their membership to get a grand final ticket if their team's in. Um, priority two, a very small number would be able to get in. So even with that, even in the grand stadium, the size of the MCG, I mean, you've got clubs like Richmond, that has got 100,000 members. That is the size of the MCG. There's every year, even at the MCG, uh, at a grand final, you would have probably an allocation of about 25,000 to each of the members of the two participating clubs. Now, obviously, if your club has got a smaller number of members, you've got a greater chance of being able to get in. But if you're a club like Richmond, you're going to find it's hard. Um, <clears throat> so this year in Perth, where there's 60,000 people, I was kind of blown away that, hey, they're, they're able to sell general admission. I've never seen that before in my entire life. It's always been a case of even if you're a member of a club, you're really, really lucky if you're able to go to the grand final. And that's probably one of the reasons why we have kept our red legs alive because it has got that priority one. Yes, it does cost a lot more. I think my I've renewed my membership for next year with all those add-ons and everything. I've paid my membership next year is going to be close to a thousand dollars. But I know, which is a normal a normal season ticket type membership is probably more like about one hundred and fifty to two hundred. Um, but that's also for my memberships and my nephews as well. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I would love to see it in other states, but realistically, it's probably not going to be likely because it's the only 100,000 seat stadium in the country. Okay. And, and the, yeah, and, and there's no there's no right or wrong answer. It, it's just, it, it was definitely interesting to hear. Like I listened to Triple M, um, occasionally listened to some of the podcasts. It was surprising how many Victorian media people were like, I didn't mind this being outside of Victoria. I wouldn't mind seeing the grand final and say Adelaide every five years. And, and I understand that, but then one of the things that I I've brought up with a few friends of mine is I've heard everybody say this, well, not everybody can get in. Well, to be completely honest with you, I think everybody in the world knows the super bowl. Okay. Everybody yeah. in the world knows the super bowl, the super bowl every year moves stadiums. It's never in the same place yeah, two years in a row. And, 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 and here's my explanation to most of them. Usually the, the Super Bowl, the biggest stadium that's ever had the Super Bowl, because it needs to be in a dome now in case of the weather, because with it being in January in some parts of the country, the weather's not good to be outside. The smallest that I've seen was 50,000 for a Super Bowl. Okay. 
And here's the thing, as, as we kind of discussed, Australia is a lot smaller than the US. So my argument to that is when everybody's like, well, not everybody can get tickets. Well, that's the way life is. I mean, I know it's a little bit different because of memberships compared to the US doesn't have memberships. It's billion dollar owners yeah, and it's season ticket owned, rather than membership based. Exactly. So it is a little bit different, but my thing is this, it's like, you know what, that's, that's the world. I mean, there's tons of people that want to go to the Super Bowl. There's probably over a hundred million people here in the States that want to go to the Super Bowl that will never go to the Super Bowl because they don't have a way to get a hold of the tickets or the $2,000, $3,000 per ticket price that they're going to put on that is not possible for most people. So it's, it's, I think that's kind of the argument. Yeah. And I, again, I, I know it's a completely right. different thing. Yeah, I think in some ways, yeah, you're right in that sense. But that's also, I, I'm wondering how much of that is a cultural difference between exactly out to Sports Australia because Sports Australia has always been treated as very much an inclusive thing that you've got mm -hmm. an opportunity to be able to participate. And I think that's why the clubs, the membership type system here has been so successful in that sense because they are member owned. They're not... Uh, and they're not privately owned clubs like you see overseas, like with the Premier League in America or whatever. As members, we have voting rights. We vote in our board and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually the board that, you know, it's got that whole kind of governance versus management type system that you'll see. In a, it, and they are not-for-profit organisations too. Even though there's millions of money that flies around with the Australian Football League, they are still not-for-profit. So the money, any profit that they do make goes back into the club or it'd be used to benefit the members. We're seeing the sort of shareholders, if you like, in the club, even though they're not, they are not for profit organisations mm. in that sense. Um, so, and I think that that's the cultural difference is that that is the first and foremost is the fans here, um, which is probably a different thing to in America, but it's not seen as the corporate dollar thing. It is what is the benefit for the fans. Um, but going back to what you were saying beforehand, um, a lot of interstate, I mean, it's so funny that people talking about people from outside of Victoria being the interstaters. But, yeah, interstate footy fans do tend, particularly South Australians and West Australians, I have this uh, conception that, Victorians don't want to have a national competition that, you know, you know, because, you know, they, they'll argue that VFL ended the day that they changed its name to the AFL and they'll treat it as a totally different competition, whereas in actual fact, all that happened in 1990 was a name change. But they'll have this preconception that we don't want the, you know, interstate teams in the AFL, which is a lot of bollocks, really, let's face it. We do. We don't, we ha don't have a problem with that. But... Um, I don't understand why there is, seems to be a lot of almost hate towards Victorians from, particularly from South Australia. When I went over to South Australia to um, Adelaide during the year um, to see Melbourne play Adelaide Crows, there was an absolute hate towards Victorians over there. And I was mind blown by it. And they seem to have this conception that we're anti the idea of anything interstate encroaching on their league we're not but what i think what we do have an issue with sometimes is when interstate people try and 
saying, well, what about us or this thing? You know, they forget that there's a hundred years of history with the league before there were the interstate teams. And there's that, it almost feels like a lack of respect for that. This is like, well, Melbourne's premierships did, you know, 12 premierships before this year don't count because it's before it's nationalised. Sorry, they do count because they did happen. It was part of the competition. You don't write off other clubs' histories because you decide to, you know, come in, you know, in the last five minutes of the league and say, we own it now. You know, it's got to be a shared history thing here. Yeah, it's I, I think it's there's there's a lot of misconceptions on both on both sides too. Like and, and this is maybe this is because I, I have several friends that are Sydney fans. We'll, we'll, we'll quickly chat to this and then we'll, we'll move on. Sure. Not a problem. Is that one of the biggest issues that I have occasionally, and maybe it's because of Sydney Swans fans, is because a majority of the callers are based in Victoria. So a lot of their conversations are Victorian based. And this is, again, this is not me bashing Victorian announcers. I'm not. But they're does come to be a point where it's like if a victorian team's doing bad and then and an out of out of victorian team is doing well the the announcers tend to only focus on how bad the victorian team is instead of maybe giving prompts to the out of state yeah team. that does happen and, yeah and, and that's not the fans fault and i think that's the one of the biggest misconceptions that i see that i i try to have fans in each of the trying to have friends and fans in each of the in each of the, the different um clubs because i like having communications like how are you feeling about things because there's a ton of times that i've i've yeah. seen some tensions and i'm like i'm trying to be somebody that I, I can see it both sides i can see it from your side that there's a ton of history because so many of the older all the older clubs are in because of the vfl the way it started and then you do have the new teams that it's like well we want to be respected too like we may not have the history but we want to be respected as a club too. It so a it, bit, it's a little bit of give and take on both sides. It, so it, it's a little bit because it came from that. Well, that wasn't a new club. That Sydney yeah. came from as a relocation from South Melbourne, yep. and I do think that Sydney fans do recognise there is that history before that relocation that happened in '82. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I mean, I'm old enough to remember South Melbourne. I'm old, old enough to remember. I was I was about eleven when that merge when that uh, relocation happened. And it was a major culture shock because it was the first time that A, there was a non-Victorian team in the competition, um, but, but also the fact that it was actually bringing in a non-footy state into the competition mm -hmm. because we were talking before the interview started that how um, Queensland and New South Wales with their rugby league backgrounds are not traditionally um footy states mm -hmm. so um but i do think and, and so that hence there's a lot of um sydney fans still based in melbourne because they grew up as south melbourne supporters same with brisbane and um you know because you know i, I still am heartbroken at the loss of fitzroy mm -hmm. uh, because that was my nana's team she grew up around the corner from the brunswick street oval she grew up a fitzroy supporter and 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 that the history of that club is gone now and um and they you know they they won what nine flags or something like that during their history uh and they've got brown medals and things like that and it does kind of sting sometimes that you know you see they talk about brisbane lions premierships and only talk about the three well what about the nine that happened under fitzroy do they not get inherited i mean sydney's premierships are count at south melbourne's premierships are counted in sydney's tally 
so should Fitzroy's in Brisbane Lions because that came out of that merger. I, I completely agree. You aren't going to hear any argument from me on yeah. that one. But I think that a lot of people do kind of sting from interstate that a lot of the focus does seem to be in Victoria, but you've got to remember 10 of the 18 clubs are still based in Victoria. Touche. And again, I, there, there, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just, I just think, I think both sides need to kind of tame down a little bit your, your, and kind of see it, try to see it from both sides. Cause we could, we can I kind do of, try to, I yeah. do empathize so. with that. And, uh, but there's there are times when those like when Port Adelaide say, well, if if, if the VFL premierships have got to be included, then say do the 37 premierships at Port Adelaide one in Sandful. I said, well, not really, because that is a totally different league. <laughs> and I, and I, that, that is a great <laughs> argument. That is a yeah, absolutely valid argument. 1990 was a name change. Exactly, because there was already a Magpies with Collingwood. We'll, we'll, yeah. Let's we won't get into that. Okay. So, so my next question in this, and you kind of already answered it. Um, and, and I love this as I'm a massive AFLW fan. I really fell in love with the league this year. In fact, I will full disclosure here. I, I was fully supporting Melbourne. And by the time the finals came on, because I love Lily Mithin, I think she's an absolute superstar. I, as I said, in a couple of podcasts, I want to know what she's made out of because she is small. She is tiny, but she is a just, she goes for it. She gets absolutely smashed, gets up like a, gets up and is right back in it. I love that about her. So you, you said you're a foundation member. So I know you keep an eye on it. What were your thoughts of Melbourne's season this last year? And how excited are you for this next year's Melbourne team? Because they legitimately have a wonderful, great list this year. I do. And with the, with the, the addition of Taylor Harris is back home because she played in the exhibition games. It was, um, I was following the, um, the, the women's comp. I remember back in 90, uh, 2013 when um, Melbourne and Western Bulldogs were doing the exhibition games prior to um, the, the men's games um, and promoting girls playing football. And um, I am so passionate about women's 40. I absolutely am passionate about it. I, I remember as a kid, in the 70s and seeing girls in the little league this is before us kicking everything seeing the girls in the little league and saying to dad i want to i want to do that i want to do the little league i want to do um um i want to play footy as well and dad's always saying you can't do that you're a girl and that was i mean i yeah I, it broke my heart because i used to play footy in the backyard with my brother and we'd make up our own rules because it was just the two of us and we would use the tree here and the wheelie bin there and all that kind of stuff for the goals and stuff like that. And it was just the two of us. And, and, you know, I used to love doing those kind of things, even though it was bigger and three years older than me and he'd trounce me every time. I can't guarantee I would have been any good at playing footy, but I would have loved to have had that opportunity. Um, so to see girls now having that as a pathway and seeing that they can grow up to be the next, you know, Taylor Harris or the next Daisy Pierce is just great for me um as far as melbourne chances i think the first couple of seasons melbourne were really incredibly unlucky they missed out in the finals um the first two years and in fact there wasn't really a final season it was just like the top two teams in the table went straight into the grand final and melbourne missed out on both those times purely on percentage and that was pretty heartbreaking um the, the, when the conference system came in when the expansion teams were getting bigger and bigger and um it did not make sense to me had that conference system because you had one conference A that was incredibly stronger than conference B, 
and Melbourne missing out on finals to the top two place in Conference B, who won less games than Melbourne and had a lower percentage, made no sense to me whatsoever. Al was so furious about that. It just seemed like, you know, Melbourne can't catch a trick here. They're just being missed out. They're being cheated of being in the finals pretty much every year so far of the AFLW, and that was pretty heartbreaking. So then in 2020, when we finally made the finals and then it got called off because of COVID, that was frustrating. Um, so we had a real genuine chance this year and um, and they had a fantastic season. It was such a close season. Yeah, the, the top four teams, same number of points and it was purely only percentage up separating them. Um, so that Melbourne unfortunately finished fourth, even though they, they were pretty much all four teams were equal top. Um, and beat all other teams in the top three during the home and away season. Um, it was pretty, you know, they were just underplayed in, the, in that preliminary final. You, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't take that away from Adelaide. They play sensational, but the girls are hungry and I think we've got a real chance. Um, I don't know if you've seen it at all on YouTube or Melbourne's um, social media. There was a clip that Melbourne put on their social media thing of when Kate Roffey, our president, um, took the premiership, the men's premiership cup to along to a training session and have and address the girls, the women's team there. And it was it's such an incredibly inspirational speech that Kate gave the girls and um, spoke about some of the values within the club, the selflessness of the men's team and 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 things like that. And you can see the looks on the faces of the women's team. They're hungry and they were so inspired also by what Kate Roffey was saying to them. Um, and but that's the club, you know. That's the, the that's what the the club has become. It's just really been about people think about Melbourne being the the high end toffee sort of club because that was the original origins of the club, being coming out of the cricket club and everything like that. But it's become, you know, I love the way that it's evolved and the values within the club, and um, it's become very inclusive. It's become very progressive. We're one of only three clubs in the competition with a woman president which I love and I I went to the women's um best and fairest uh back in April this year and I had a ch chance to have a long conversation with Kate Roffey and this is what I love as well you've got a president of the club that makes herself available to members who makes herself available and open to those kind of um, meet and greets and things like that it was just incidental you know it just happened to be at the best and fairest and it, I love the way that the club makes the members a part of the team, whether or not you're in the AFLW or whether or not um, you're just you're a regular member. And they've now got a reward system now happening for length of memberships. And I saw that members like me that's been a member for over 30 years um, are, are going to be invited to an afternoon tea at the club with players in attendance and probably with Kate Roffey and things like that as well. And I just thought that is the way that you do it, I think, and, and, and keeping that inclusiveness and keeping that engagement happening thing. And you mentioned before earlier about that suburban ground feel in the AFLW, and it does feel like that. Um, there's a different, uh, there, there's definitely that kind of camaraderie in the AFLW community that is a bit different to the men's in that it doesn't seem to matter who you barrack for. 
in the AFLW. The supporters, the players are so thrilled that to have that women's competition now happening, that it doesn't seem to matter who we barrack for. Everyone is just part of that same community and we're all supportive of each other. And there's not that same kind of my team's better than yours sort of thing that you sometimes get in the men's comp, but it's a real kind of sense of joy in that community, in the AFLW community. And you can definitely feel it when you go to the games. I'm hoping. I'm hoping one of these days when I get down to Australia, I can catch a women's game as well. In fact, I'll take you after the Red Legs room for the women's game <laughs> if you come. Yeah, that would, that, would, that would be fine. In fact, actually, I am... I actually, I haven't said this on any of my episodes yet. I actually did sign up as a foundation member for the Swans women's yeah, team as awesome. well. I, now all 18 clubs yep. are going to have a women's team. Yep. How brilliant I, is that? Exactly. In fact, I actually was part of a, a Twitter montage of people reacting to signing yeah. up for their, and the, the Swans actually put my tweet up there, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. I, I I was losing my mind that they actually used my tweet, which I thought was pretty cool, but I, I have made sure and double checked. In fact, I just got my renewal email recently from this one and my AFL foundation membership is part of it. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. I cannot wait. This season's going to be bittersweet for me because we don't have it, but it, it'll be fun. I, I cannot wait. So, and, so, and I think that there's one thing as well, that um, when COVID hit last year, and um, it was particularly hard on the Victorian clubs because Melbourne had its um, the big lockdown last year and we had no um, crowds at all at any of the home and away games throughout the entire season last year. And um, some of the clubs were experiencing some members who might have you know, lost their jobs and things like that who say, look, I want... I'd love to be involved in a club, but I just can't afford it. I just lost the job because of COVID or whatever. Um, Melbourne and Collingwood were the two teams that actually experienced the least number of dropouts of memberships because of COVID. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of that was because a lot of the supporters were very conscious of the fact that, you know, there's one thing about buying a membership so you can go to the games. Mm-hmm. It's quite another thing for members to think I'm buying a membership because it's financially supporting the club because that is the primary source of income for these clubs is selling the membership because that you know they're not for profit organizations as I was saying before, and so a lot of supporters are really conscious of that and saying, well, the clubs are finding it tough. They're not they're losing heaps of revenue because they they're not having crowds. They need every dollar that they can get at the moment. And there were even supporters who were ringing up their clubs, and I did it with Melbourne too. And I actually rang up the club to say, look, I understand that, you know, some people might be struggling, things like that, and keeping their memberships alive. I would be willing to pay for a membership of a supporter if they wanted to keep it alive. And actually people were doing that in, um, in order to keep members connected to the club and things like that. I was in the position to do it. I was fully employed as a teacher. Um, and so I was able to, and, and the club was saying, well, great, we'll, we'll actually give you a call and let you know if someone does buy that membership. I never got that call because Melbourne, as I said before, had experienced the least number of members dropouts because of COVID. Um, but I know that some clubs did experience that aspect of it. But it wasn't really for reasons of, well, I'm not going to support my club because I can't go. 
people have definitely got that understanding of what it means to be a member and what that membership actually does for the club. And yeah. I think that really makes that community. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, it makes tons of sense. I, I remember getting an email from the Swan saying, if you like, if you're having issues with COVID and you would like a refund for your membership. And I, I remember replying back going, no, I said, I'm exactly. good. I have no problem with that. I said, I, I said, keep it. I said, I know you guys need it a lot more. I said, I'm financially stable. I'm good. So I have no problem. So I have like a, a, pa a badge that they sent me for the 2020 members that had stayed on. They had sent a specific yeah, badge. Got a badge, kind of, too. Got a badge members yep. badge, yeah. yeah. So that was really, that was really, really cool for them to do that. So, and I've, I've, like I said, I've, I've never regretted joining it. And that's always been kind of my, my favorite thing about it. So. <laughs> Show you something here. Sure. Now I've got it here. I was actually we had a um, dress up day at school the other day, so I was wearing it at work. Um, awesome. Um, this jumper here. This is the members jumper. Every now and again, Melbourne does a members type jumper thing, and so mm -hmm. you, as a member, as a fundraiser for the club, and they did this last year for COVID for the Proud to Be Long campaign thing, and so um, they had an old '90s preseason design for that one with the old logo on it. Um, but if you look very, very closely, you'll see that there's a whole bunch of names that's been printed on it. So what that Outstanding. is, what that is, is that you, as a member, you could actually pay $250 to get your name printed on the jumper. And as part of that $250, that jumper, you know, you'll get a, you'll get a jumper sent to you. So own, you could not buy these jumpers retail. You only got one of these if your name was on it. So my name is on it. I actually did that. And there was a story I mentioned beforehand about my dad and I going to his last ever game, which was around 23. In, 20, in 2018, that was Melbourne's 160th year as a club. And they did a mem special members jumper for that game. And again, I said, oh, wow, they've got one. You know, that was the first time I saw them do that, was putting the names on the jumpers. And so dad and I were talking about, we should do that one time, you know, get the names on the jumper. Cause that'd be really cool because they were wearing they were wearing the the jumper with the members names on it so um and so dad and i were having that conversation that day and i was against gws that day and so last year when that came up again and dad had died in um june in 2019 and um <clears throat> and i saw that they were doing it again for the proud to belong campaign is to raise money for the lost revenue from COVID, and so i i rang the club and said can i actually have it would it be stretching it to have Ian and Katrina Oxley uh, or that because, you know, and I told the story of dad passing and all that kind of stuff in that day. And, um, and he was like, leave it with me. And he called me back a couple of days later and he said, I managed to swing it. So you've got two separate entries, but you, you know, it's for the same price, the 250. So also, so dad's name was on it. So when I went to my brother's for grand final night and I brought along that jumper as well and we hung it up in the room, I, 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 you know, I explained to Andrew and Tina, that's the, that's the jumper with dad's name on it. So Tina grabbed the coat hanger and she put it, hung it up on the curtain rod. So dad had a presence in the grand final because he's, the name of the jumper is on it. Those kind of little things, it may, need, may, mean, may seem something quite little, having your name on a jumper like that. But the fact that dad and I had that conversation and what it means for members, you know, it really does have that sense of connection to the club and it really does 
<laughs> it's 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 mean it's meaningful yeah it brings emotion and it's nothing but nothing but a good thing so so we'll move on we're, we're, i'm gonna have a few fun questions to kind of end to kind of end our chat um i i know you haven't been to a ton of games again unfortunately covid has really been kind of a pain in the you know what but when you but when you do go to the footy what is your go-to food to have at a game of footy oh it's gotta be meat pie <laughs> There's um, nothing wrong league. with that. We're in the Red League, so we do have um, the, you know, we do have kitchen facilities in the Red League's room at the MCG. So sometimes, occasionally I have played a knocky or something like that or a chicken schnitzel or something like that. But um, oh, you got to have a meat pie and a Coke at the footy. Mm -hmm. you got to. If I'm sitting with a cheer squad, that's what I'll do is I'll have a meat pie. That that's awesome. I don't I don't know. Did you get did you get a chance to see online? I actually made homemade meat. I made homemade meat pies here are you for the grand final. It? I they are awesome. I I found I yeah. found a I found a YouTuber that is an Australian who did who yeah. had a recipe out there and it was kind of a how to make it. And so I had always wanted to for the grand final because I thought what what better way to do it for the grand final is make an Aussie meat pie. So I like the night before made them, put them in the warmer. And then the game started at three 30, my time. And I tossed them in the, I tossed yep. them in the warmer at about three o'clock at about three 15, let them warm up for 15 minutes. And then this channel actually, we had, a, we have a, an internet kind of streaming channel. So we watched the grand final and I had a meat pie with me as I watched it. And I can't tell you how many Australians were like, you are a legend for doing that. I, in fact, yeah, I had one, my, that, is, my, that is that is that is a huge commitment to do that. Yeah, I had once. I had once say, "You need a passport for that. You need an Australian passport yeah. for doing that." <laughs> yeah. So I I took pride in that a lot. Alrighty. So I so I know you have have a bit of tomato my ketchup tomato sauce. I unfortunately we don't we have only have ketchup on this. Unfortunately, I know there's a difference. So. Ketchup is a little bit sweeter than tomatoes. And that's what I've heard that ketchup is a little bit, I think it has a little bit of sugar in it. So I think that's what kind of changes the taste a little bit. Um, all right. So I know you have specific seats with your memberships and you're, you're part of the red legs and everything like that, but do you have an ideal place that you like to watch the footy when you go? Oh, uh, I mean, I always like, I, I do always enjoy going to that particular spot in the Southern stand at the MCG um when we first joined red legs we were actually sitting on the wing in the old northern stand but this was before um that old southern stand was pulled down and rebuilt um that used to be right next to the old members pavilion i do think it's a bit sad that there none of the stands like there's no stand there at the mcg now older than 1992 i do think that's a little bit sad because you know I remember the old Southern stand. I remember the old Northern stand that was built for the 1956 Olympics and um, the old Ponswood stand that was built in 67. But where Red Legs is, is right behind the goals. It's on the second level up, right behind the goals on the punt road end of the MCG. Um, and Cheers Quad is directly underneath. So either of those two places, whether I'm sitting with um, my Ruby Demons friends in Red Legs, um, or uh, I've decided to go with the Q squad, which is down the bottom. I'll be either of those two places there. And they're generally behind the goal. Best place really is to watch a game on the wing, but they're the places that um, we go for Red Legs and Q squad. Um, alrighty. And yeah. that's what we do with my friends. 
yeah and, and, and as long as as long as you enjoy it that's all that matters to yeah. me I don't, when, when i go i want to do like second tier either behind the goals or like midfield so because I, I want to be able to see the movement the one thing that being on the tv that you can't see is it's always ball focused and you can't see how the forward line is adjusting when the ball is in the forward half like I, it's my coaching brain a little bit i want to see the movement patterns a little bit more so that's yeah, one of the I things really, really ex good stuff. exactly is actually really good for because you're not too high that you're watching ants and that's exactly. what i've got i don't like being on the fourth level at the mcg because it is really high i mean you're talking a hundred thousand seat stadium there you're really high up there mm -hmm. uh, and i always feel like if i'm and it's really quite steep and i feel like i'm going to fall forward and off the grandstand if i'm up there but that's why i like i do like the second level because you are that elevated where the red legs is that's exactly where the channel 7 camera is <laughs> <laughs> so mm -hmm. you see the camera right on that um, right where that right behind those goals uh, yeah <laughs> all right and, and and i was kind of telling you this before before we started on camera is that this channel this channel is um based out of a based out of the u.s it does nfl different things like that so occasionally we get Amer we get american fans that maybe maybe you'll click on a video maybe they click on this video and they've gotten to this and they've gotten to this point so i have one of those do you have a really quick pitch for maybe an American fan of why they should join, why they should be a demon supporter? Um, why they've got it. I mean, if it wasn't for Melbourne, we wouldn't have footy. Is probably the main, the, the, the first answer I think of. They are the oldest club. They've, they are the club that's got the, um, the you know, the, 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 the pioneer club there, but um. <clears throat> I think because we had that 57 year drought and you know, you can't exactly call Melbourne the underdogs now because we won the premiership this year, but for 57 years, for my entire life, they have always been seen as the underdogs. And that was despite all that massive history that led up to it. One thing that Melbourne, um, as Melbourne supporters, we're very, very conscious of is that with the club has got a very, very rich history and it's, it's, um, and it's an absolute, um, um, oh, I my cat. Um, <laughs> it's an absolute, um, it does feel like a privilege to be part of the Melbourne community in that sense, because to be a part of that history and part of that culture that Melbourne has. It, um, you know, because I mean, my dad, my dad's very first game that he ever went to was the 1948 grand final replay as a 10 year old. And it was from that point on that he became a Melbourne supporter. So dad was there when he, all throughout the fifties that they were in every grand final over that seven, uh, over a 10 year, you know, well, they were in the, every single final series for 10 years, but they were in every grand final from 1954 through to 1960 and won, um, uh, won five of those seven flags, including a three-peat and a um, back-to-back. -back. And they're the only team that's got two three-peats in their history um it's just when you're a part of melbourne you're a part of something that is more than just a club it's part of it it, it really gets into your blood <laughs> in some ways it really does there's a great video that melbourne did last year on their social media for part of their proud to belong campaign and it's not just about how i, I always say to people it's it's how we as footy fans do feel about football and how it is part of our lives, but it definitely has particular Melbourne feel about it. And it really does have that um, essence about it. 
And, and that's great. And, and that's one of the things I've told a few people. I said that the demons are one of those teams. I always kind of had a little soft spot for because they are the oldest club running in all of, in all of footy and all that. So, so I was, I, like I said, I was very happy that they won the grand final this year. So I always like to end these episodes with, with a fun question. And just because I love hearing the different answers, um, what is your favorite game of footy you have ever seen? It doesn't have to be a demons game. But what is the what is your favorite game of footy you have ever seen, whether live, whether at the ground or on television? Favorite game of footy? Oh my god, it's such a so many over the years. Um, oh, I hope I picked just one. <laughs> You can do a couple if you want. That's fine. I mean, I think this year's grand final is going to be amongst it because of what it meant. Um, and the fact that, you know, I did 10 minutes of ugly crying at the end of it. And I also did at the end of round 23 this year when um, after Max Gorn's goal, after the siren. Did you see that? That was unsettling. I did. That was an insane round considering Port played Western only one by report only beat Western Bulldogs by one. And then you guys have the kick after the siren. I'm like, well, the two top four teams played really good games. <laughs> um, I think probably I'm going to go with something a little bit out there. Actually, I'm going to go with round 23, 1987. Melbourne were playing Western Bulldogs. Oh, they were called then Footscray. And both of those teams were vying for the last, in those days it was only a top five in the finals. It wasn't, because there were only, what, 14 teams in the VFL it was, as it was back then. Um, Melbourne playing Western Oval. Before it was called Witten Oval, it was called Western Oval. And now the situation was there were three clubs that were vying for that fifth spot. There was Melbourne, Geelong and Footscray. Melbourne and Geelong, Melbourne and Footscray were playing for each other. Foots and Bulldog and Geelong were playing Hawthorne at Cadinia Park in Dan and Geelong. And um, Hawthorne were top of the ladder. And we thought, well, all, have, all Hawthorne have to do is beat Geelong and, you know, and all we have to do is beat Footscray and we're in. This was also Robbie Flowers last year before he was going to retire as well. So it was really meaningful. It was the first time that Melbourne were going to make the finals since 19... It was the first time that Melbourne had made the finals that year since the 1964 grand final, which, of course, they won. Um, <clears throat> but winning, you know, to get into the finals was, you know, it was you know, that first time in 23 years. So um, what was surprised everybody is that Geelong were absolutely killing Hawthorne at Cadinia Park that day. And it sounded like the whole of Melbourne was interesting. Both games were on at the same time. This is when pretty much most games were on Saturday afternoon. And, um, and um, yeah, we were watching, yeah. So we, what the coaches at Melbourne were telling them, they didn't actually, they actually lied to the Melbourne players that day and said like, it's okay. Hawthorne are well ahead in, at Geelong. All you have to do is win and you're in. But that wasn't the case at all. Um, you know, Geelong were had, had had the jump on on um, Hawthorne, and they were winning. And uh, so, but it wasn't until halfway through the last quarter 
that, um, or even towards the end of that, that, even towards the end of that fourth quarter, uh, Hawthorne were getting their run back up and um, and they were clawing back. And so everyone, and I said like the whole of Melbourne were on the edge of their seats. What was going on at Melbourne? And that league was changing all the time. And what was happening at um, Dan and Geelong? And it got to the dying stages of that fourth quarter and Melbourne had, Melbourne had just hit the front. And so it was like, yeah, and the, the players were not of the, they, were, they thought they were going to be in. Well, all they had to do was win. They had no idea what was going on at Geelong. And when, so then halfway through, you know, there's a couple of minutes left in the last quarter and Hawthorne had just hit the front at Geelong. And all of a sudden, because people in the crowd at Western Oval were listening to both games. Like listening to the other game. And as soon as Hawthorne hit the front, the whole crowd erupted and started cheering. And play momentarily stopped on the ground because the players thought the siren had gone. And they realised, no, the siren hadn't gone. We're still going to play footy. <laughs> and, uh, so when Melbourne did win, um, and, you know, and it was absolutely certain then that Melbourne were the ones that got their fifth spot in the finals and Geelong and Footscray both missed out, they weren't told until the end of the game uh, what the situation was, no one like, oh shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was probably because it was such an emotional roller coaster. It was that round in 1987 that probably stands out to me. I was only 16. If you're going to think worst, um, the preliminary final in that same year, and I can't even talk about it. <laughs> it was well, we, it's too exciting. We, 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 won't, we won't make you remember that one. <laughs> Yeah, so it's always always the favorite. Always always yeah. Yeah, always the favorite. Look it up. Look it up. Preliminary well, we'll, from the 87. Yeah, you can you, yeah. We'll do it. We'll <laughs> yeah. Well, this this has been an awesome conversation. I I love the history that you have and, and the connection that you have to the club. It's absolutely amazing. This has been a fantastic conversation. I know we we've went back and forth on Twitter a little bit getting ready for this yeah. and you, you were one of them that I was super excited to talk with because there was so there was so much history. So so thank you so much for hopping on. I genuinely appreciate this. Not a problem, Donnie. I really enjoyed today. I have I have thoroughly too. We will definitely keep in touch. Who knows? Maybe maybe we can have maybe we can have some fun chit chatting back and forth next year when Sydney plays okay. Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, and and I've got to say as well, I was you know I, I have huge respect for Sydney. I you know. The, their cheer squad um, helped us out big time this year with the um, Queen's birthday match. And, um, and I think us in the Melbourne cheer squad will always be thankful for Sydney's cheer squad for helping us that day with um, getting the banner and everything for the players to run through for both Melbourne and Collingwood's cheer squads. And, uh, and I certainly know that in, in, in the Melbourne cheer squad, it's not something that we'll ever forget the way that you guys helped us out. And that's what gets back to what I was saying before about that um, footy community. Yeah. In fact, actually, I will, I will relay that message tomorrow. I am interviewing a member of that, of that Sydney, of that Sydney, um, of that Sydney um, supporter, the, the fan, the supporter group, um, Sarah, who I, who I know very, very well. I'm, I'm very happy to talk with her tomorrow. So I will, I will definitely relay that. Thank you to her when I chat with her tomorrow. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode in my fan series, another awesome chat. As you can see so much history in the AFL, 
I have more to come. This is very, very early in it. Many, many more to come. Keep an eye on it. And we will be back very, very soon with more episodes in this series. Thank you again, Kat. Have a wonderful day, okay? Thank you. And thank you very much, Donnie, and you too. No problem.